This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council On Air comes to you 6pm Tuesdays here on OR 105.4 FM and 1575 AM. To hear the latest from the Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council and celebrate unity through diversity. DMEC On Air, 6pm Tuesdays with podcasts available anytime from oar.org.nz, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. Good evening everyone and welcome to the DMEC Youth Radio Station. My name's Abby. And I'm Max. And we're back again with our monthly podcast where we talk about health issues facing our New Zealand communities. And this week we've got a bit of a different topic because we're not talking about a health issue um, as such, but more a health service. Um, I'm a third year dentistry student. And I'm a third year medical student. And each month we just come on here and give some general information and education. Yeah, so in the past, we've talked about things like water fluoridation, about vaccination, and this week we're going to be talking about medical imaging and radiation. So there can be a lot of fear and misinformation around this sort of medical imaging. You may feel quite worried about it, these big machines and some long fancy words that don't really make much sense. So today we're just going to go over the common ways of doing medical imaging, any risks involved, and then putting those risks in a very practical and understandable way. So, why is medical imaging relevant and important? So, over the last few decades, we've had some huge advances in medical technology. And by using this technology, we can see lots of things inside the body without needing to cut you open, which is hugely beneficial. So, so this can help with the diagnosis of cancers, bone fractures, tooth decay, and even see things like brain damage, strokes, and even, de- and even the developing babies in the womb. And this is really important because a lot of diseases and, and conditions won't show themselves on the surface level until quite late. And by using imaging, doctors and other health professionals can diagnose people much earlier in the disease process, increasing the likelihood of diagnosis and cure. And these are really, really useful tools, but they are never used in isolation. Like a doctor would never just order an x-ray and then look at that to give you a diagnosis. It's always used in combination with things like um, their observations. It's used in conjunction with things like what you're experiencing so your symptoms and other tests as well like blood tests and things like that yeah and of course it can be quite scary to be told that you need a scan uh, and, and especially if you don't know how a scan works or how it even happens and this can be quite prevalent in our various ethnic communities if they don't have much health literacy, if they haven't been exposed to these sorts of scans in the past. It can be quite scary and you may hear the word radiation and not really know what it means. So we're going to go over all of the most common ways of imaging and what it involves. And we're going to start with the most benign of them all using photographs. And this might surprise you, but it's pretty simple. Um, 
medical professionals take pictures of things all the time. Um, it's very simple and it's a really good way to track changes in how something looks. And also it's really easy to send this to other medical professionals for advice. So, for example, something a doctor might take a picture of is maybe a rash. They could take a picture of a rash the first time they see you, and the next time they see you, pull up that picture and have a look at what it looks like now to compare if it's gotten any bigger or changed in colour or anything like that. Yeah, because some conditions show really strong changes just in your general appearance. So some endocrine disorders like Cushing syndrome or, or gigantism can show really strongly just on how you look. So if you are so so if you're able to give your doctor a photo of you some years back and then take a photo of you now, it, it can it can serve as a really potent a diagnostic aid. And another one which you've probably heard of is the MRI, which stands for magnetic resonance imaging. And this one I think is really cool, but they can be kind of scary seeming because if anyone's seen an MRI room before, they always have these huge thick metal doors on the outside um, and they can look kind of scary, but that's really all just safety precautions because the way it works is it uses a really powerful magnetic field um, and this can really cause disastrous effects if anything that shouldn't be near the MRI goes near the MRI. So there shouldn't be any metal or anything in there. So that's why there's always the huge like warnings around it and things like that. Yeah, and it's quite cool because this magnetic field makes all of the protons of water molecules in the body line up. And then using a pulse, it can change the orientation of those protons. And then when the pulse is stopped, those protons can relax, and that will emit some radio waves. And these waves can then be analyzed and turned into a visual image. So it's really fancy science stuff. But what it all boils down to is by using a magnetic field, they can change the way that molecules in your body face, and then the field goes away, and those molecules then just go back to normal and show us a picture. Really cool stuff. Yeah, and this doesn't have any um, effect on the body. You know, these um, water molecules changing direction, it, does, it doesn't matter to you. It doesn't really mean anything, but it's really useful for creating a picture we can look at. And what an MRI image is really good at looking at is soft tissue. So whilst a photograph is good at looking kind of on the surface, MRI is looking at soft tissues inside the body. So it kind of creates little image slices right through the body or through the head or whatever it is you're looking at. So you can have a look at everything inside without obviously having to chop it open. So the photographs and the MRI, these two both don't use any sort of radiation. So if you're worried about the risks of radiation and cancer or anything like that, don't worry about an, an MRI. And another one that doesn't use any kind of radiation is ultrasound. Um, and I'm sure you're probably familiar with ultrasound. I think the most common place we think of them is with pregnancy and looking at the baby. Um, so yeah, this one doesn't use any radiation, and the way it works is similar to radar, 
which might not mean much to you, doesn't really mean much to me, I don't know much about radar, but basically it uses high frequency sound waves to produce images, and that's why it's called ultrasound. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. I've played with it a few times, and what they do is it's like a short little probe connected to a screen, and they'll get some gel to put on your body, and then they can move the probe around in different sorts of orientations to get a really good picture of what's going on inside the body. And if you've ever seen an ultrasound, like if you have been expecting a baby or you've had an ultrasound of anything else, you probably remember that it looked just really grey and like TV static and you think, how can they see anything in that? And that's why you need lots of training to do these things because they're very hard to read. <laughs> yeah, um, I've had quite a few goes now at using it and I'm still pretty awful. So it definitely takes a whole lot of training and it can be very difficult to interpret. But if you are good at it, then it can be really, really useful. Even finding what you're looking for, I think, can be really difficult. I remember when I had an ultrasound of my heart and it took the trainee guy like a long time to find the heart it's like it's definitely in there but <laughs> okay so that's ultrasound and there's also another really cool one uh where scans can look at the metabolic function of cells so this can either be done with spect so a single photon emission computed atomography or with PET, so a positron emission tomography. And these are really cool scans because they can bring up big hot spots on the body where there's lots of metabolism going on. So places in the body where lots of energy is being used up. And what this might show is things like tumours, which is where cells are kind of growing like crazy and as you can imagine that could use a lot of energy or produce a lot of energy so these scans are good for showing that. So then moving on to one of the more common types of medical imaging let's look at radiographs or more commonly known as x-rays. So when you have an x-ray you'll get x-rays pass through your tissue and then get attenuated which means that the intensity is reduced as you go through tissue and it all depends on the density of that tissue. So when these x-ray beams hit some sort of sensor or plate at the other side of the body, they can be recorded and then viewed later on as an image. And of course, the denser the tissue, the more it will attenuate the x-ray beam. So really dense things like bone, or if you have a metal implant, that can appear to be very white on an x-ray, and less dense things appear to be darker. So if, for example, you had a knee x-ray, the bones in your knee will, will appear to be very white, while your skin might not even show up at all, because it will be very dark, because it's not very dense. And this type of image is just from one viewpoint, so it goes in only one plane. And unfortunately, that means that everything gets stacked on top of each other. So this means that there is some, some superimposition 
where things just get stacked right on top as you take it through that single plane. So if you took an x-ray of your hand from a bird's eye view, you could be able to see all of your finger bones really nicely. However, if you took an x-ray with, uh, with your hand flat from a side view, all the bones would be layered on top of each other and you wouldn't really be able to see anything at all. And this is something we do a lot in dentistry. I'm sure if you've been to the dentist before, you will remember having an x-ray taken where they put the little card in your mouth and then they all run away to the door and make the x-ray machine go. And these are really handy because this helps us see what's happening inside the teeth, which we can't see um, in the mouth, obviously. Um, and it works the same way. So the normal tooth is very dense and shows up very white but if there's areas of decay um, if things are going on with the bone if there's something inside the tooth that shouldn't be there then it'll show up as less dense um, and it'll appear as like a dark patch so that's something really handy for us yeah so moving on from x-rays we now have CT which means computed atomography. And this is a really cool scan because it's really good at seeing things at different depths inside the body. And what a CT scan does is takes lots of x-rays at different parts of the body, like different slices. So for example, if you wanted to take a CT of the skull, you'd be taking lots of small x-rays all across the head. And, if, and you can then pick a point, e.g. maybe 10 centimeters inside the skull, and just scroll through your images to find that exact point. And this is quite good because you can't see these things w with just a single x-ray due to that superimposition that we talked about earlier. And there are some drawbacks with this type of imaging though. They are quite expensive um, usually for you to have one um, unless it's funded and this is because they require a very large machine to take which takes up a lot of space and is very expensive to buy so they usually charge a decent amount of money to use it um, but they are really useful um, and of course there also is the concern of the radiation associated with the CT scan but we'll go into that a bit more soon and a similar kind of related image is a CBCT, which is just a cone beam CT scan. So this is basically a 3D version of the CT, which spins around um, your body when it's being taken. And this makes a panoramic image instead of a flat image. So that's our crash course on all the different types of medical imaging and what they're for. So now that we've done that, let's talk about radiation. It's a scary word uh, and there's lots to know about it. So first things first, radiation is the emission of energy, either as waves or small particles. And there are different types depending on the source. And the important one or the concerning one is ionizing radiation, like alpha or gamma radiation. These are the ones that can be most dangerous. And then there's non-ionizing radiation, like UV light. 
So the main difference here is that one of these particles, um, the ionizing radiation, has mass. So it's actually a physical thing. It comes along, it bumps into you, and it's ionizing radiation, which means it steals electrons from your body. Um, so this actually causes a physical change straight away. And then the other one is non-ionizing radiation, which is like UV light. And this doesn't do that. It's not a physical thing. Um, it's more just energy, which comes along. It can kind of cause slight shifts um, inside cells, but it doesn't really cause that same tangible instant change. And what's important to know is that we are constantly exposed to radiation. So it's not just when we're in a uranium mine or when we're, or when we're taking... An x-ray, we are every day exposed to radiation. So we get UV radiation from the sun, we get background ionizing radiation from just the universe around us, and on average people are exposed to around about three millisieverts of background radiation per year. However, this can differ based on how often you fly, what you do for work, and things like that. And those sieverts that Max just mentioned, that is the unit which is usually used to measure radiation. So we're going to use that today to just put kind of radiation doses in perspective a bit. So let's start off with talking about um, what does radiation do. And to start with, I'm sure if you've been outside too long in the summer, you can appreciate that it burns. So that's what can happen over an extended period of time or at higher doses. Um, and radiation, it, it can be very scary. I'm sure if you've watched the documentary on Chernobyl that was on Netflix a while ago, you will have seen some of the horrors that it can cause when it's uncontrolled. But... At its kind of core, radiation can change or mutate DNA, which is the kind of the main thing we're worried about. So these changes can be harmless and they can make no difference to our cells or how our bodies work, or the changes could be harmful and it can make it so that certain things cells need to function don't work. Um, it could cause cells to die. It could cause cells to grow uncontrollably, which is what we call cancer. And we've seen this in survivors of things like nuclear attacks, like when the bombs were dropped in Japan, and on uranium miners who have a very highly increased rate of cancer due to just being around radiation. So the reason why we're talking about this is is because some imaging techniques do deliver a small dose of radiation when they take an image. And people who take these images and people who have, image, have images taken of them need to be aware of this and, and be aware of the risks involved. So as we said before, we have about 3 millisieverts annually just from background radiation. And to put that in perspective, a general dental x-ray will be around 0 0.005 to 0 0.01 millisieverts. So a very, very small amount compared to just your annual normal background radiation. 
If you then compare that to a chest x-ray to look at your lungs or heart or both, that would be more like 0.1 millisieverts. And then, and then it goes up much further with a CT scan. So our CT scan is lots of chest x-rays all done at once, and that can be around 10 millisieverts. But with CT, it really depends on what you're looking at and how much you're looking at. So if we were doing a scan of just the sinuses um, in the nose, that would only be 0.6 millisieverts. But a full scan of the abdomen and pelvis would be around 31 millisieverts, so a lot more. Um, and this is because, as we said before, CT is just kind of phases of x-rays. And the more x-rays you need, the more radiation you need. So going through that, so, so at a very low x-ray dosage, it will be much, much lower than your annual background radiation. But a full, very intensive CT scan can be a lot more. But this is all very abstract. They're just numbers that don't really mean much to us. So it's, so it's really helpful to put this in real-life terms. So a radiation dose of about 0.1 to 1 millisieverts has about the same cancer risk as a flight from New Zealand to Indonesia due to the radiation in the upper atmosphere. So if you were to take a chest x-ray or, or, or maybe several chest x-rays, that'd be about the same risk from radiation as a flight from New Zealand to Indonesia. So it's a lot when you think of it in just number terms, but in terms of how you would react to real life risk, probably not quite so scary. And some of those slightly higher doses that we talked about, for example, a CT scan, which is around 10 millisieverts, that is comparable to the cancer risk from driving for just over 3,000 kilometers, which is kind of surprising when you put it in the real-life perspective, because like Max just said, the numbers seemed high and they seemed scary, but when we think about how much radiation we get every day, it actually it doesn't seem like that much. <laughs> Yes, but even still, clinicians are quite careful around radiation. They want to make sure that people are at as low risk as possible. So they are bound by ALARA, which means as low as reasonably achievable. And therefore, medical images which use radiation are only taken when necessary. And this is because whilst the dose of radiation um, is low, um, we can never say that the risk is zero. So we only do them when we need to. Um, we wouldn't just get you in and take an x-ray for no reason. We would only do it if we suspected there was something um, going on there that we need to see with an x-ray. And of course, all medical imaging machines have lots of safety features to make sure that the dose of radiation is as low as possible. And of course, they have very stringent quality control checks to make sure that nothing goes wrong. And not even just that the dose is low, they're also very specific about where they apply the radiation. It's very controlled. It's kind of like 
just a pinpoint going to the exact spot that we want to look at to prevent kind of scattering going all over the body. Um, and you might be wondering, well, if it's so safe, why is everyone always running away when we're taking an x-ray? And that's because exposure to radiation is cumulative and continued exposure over a long time adds up to equal a lot of radiation. So the one day when you went to the dentist and had an x-ray, that was a low amount of radiation for you. But that dentist probably took 30 x-rays that day. So you can imagine if they had stayed in the room, that would add up to equal a lot more radiation. And x-ray um, equipment and dental practices is very safe to use today. And we actually don't really need lead aprons. You might have been given one at the dentist, but this is mostly to reassure um, someone in the x-ray chair. And we still give them to everyone, especially pregnant people, just to reduce any possible risk um, of anything, basically. <laughs> yeah, and this is really important for people who are pregnant because a, de because a developing fetus is quite susceptible to any sort of radiation. So if you're going to be getting a chest x-ray and you have the possibility of being pregnant, having a lead apron would be very important. And making sure that the team is aware that you're pregnant if they aren't already. And one of these control checks that, that I use to make sure that there is the least risk to both the employees and to the patient is that ultrasound tends to be the first thing done for any sort of soft tissue injury because it doesn't use any sort of ionizing radiation and, and, and it instead uses those sound waves to generate an image of what is going on inside the body. So if possible, ultrasound is preferred to other, to other methods of imaging which use ionizing radiation because it tends to be much safer. The only bad thing is they really dig it in. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all we have time for today. So we've done a pretty quick crash course in the different types of medical imaging. And hopefully now, if you need one of these, you feel a bit more um, reassured and a bit more in control about what's going to happen. So thank you for listening. And we will be back again next month with another podcast. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.